0: Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by OmniFocus. Learn more at OmniFocus.com.
1: Shortcuts will just be simpler to make because I used to do some stuff like counting items and then if there's nothing do something or if there is something go ahead and now the if action has like if this has any value or no value so even just like there's a lot of scripting actions that can be removed and utilized using magic variables and if in like a whole new ways which is pretty cool
2: welcome back to another episode of iPad pros I'm really excited to share this episode where Matthew Castanelli and I deep dive into the next version of Shortcuts that's built into iOS 13. You can listen back to episodes 41 and 42 for our first look into Shortcuts. This episode will focus on the changes and additions added to Shortcuts 3. And before we dive into the interview, I want to share a pretty cool tweet from the Omni Group CEO, Ken Case, where he shared a new way to use OmniFocus with Shortcuts 3. As you'll hear towards the end of this episode... The shortcut developers reworked how adding shortcuts to the home screen works and is no longer done by Safari hack and is now fully baked into the OS. Ken shared a post that Bert made on the OmniFocus discourse where he transformed the iPad's home screen into a getting things done tool. Instead of app icons, there are custom icons for OmniFocus's inbox, projects, tags, today, waiting for, forecast, goals, weekly digest, and more with the widget for OmniFocus showing the tasks coming up. It's a super clean interface where you can really focus on what you need to do each day and really configure your iPad for OmniFocus and getting things done. And because OmniFocus is baked directly into Shortcuts 3, it already works in the beta of iPad OS without an update for OmniFocus for iOS 13 even needed. Anyways, the link for that tweet by Ken Case is in the show notes and in the podcast chapter. You can also view what that looks like by looking at the podcast chapter artwork for this section of the podcast. And again, that tweet does have a link back to the OmniFocus discourse for even more information from what the tweet shared. As a reminder, you can get extra episodes and early episodes of this podcast by going to patreon.com slash iPad And if you haven't reviewed the podcast, and Apple podcasts, I'd really appreciate that as well. Thanks again to OmniFocus for sponsoring this episode. You'll hear a bit more later on in the episode how OmniFocus integrates with Shortcuts. But for now, here's my interview with Matthew Casanelli, all about Shortcuts Version Three. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt.
1: Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I was just saying to you before the show. I always love coming on the show because I get to lay out everything in a very straightforward fashion. So glad to be back.
0: Awesome. So last time we spoke on the podcast, Shortcuts 1 was like a new thing. And now, a year later, we miraculously have Shortcuts 2. And it's being embedded into OS and iOS 13. And it's a big deal. So first off, I wanted to just dive into kind of what are the new actions that you can start including in the newer shortcuts? Sure. I guess also one thing is that
1: I think it is technically version three because shortcuts as a thing started at version 2.0 because workflow was version one. We never hit 2.0. So it's quite literal in the life that workflow is, is part of the history, which is always, I need to think about that more. But yes, there's tons of new actions and it's awesome. I would say the main categories of new actions, there's podcasts, Apple TV remote, some playback stuff, accessibility actions. And then you can also control HomeKit devices and get the status of home. And then there's a couple other individual actions that I'll get to also. The first three are pretty cool. Podcasts itself is kind of like a solid main example of how shortcuts actions can be built, where you can get your podcasts from the current library. Like any podcast that you already have, you can just grab those And then there's also an action called get episodes for podcast. So you can go through each of the individual items in that podcast bundle kind of content type. And then there's also play podcast, subscribe to podcast, which so then you can act on those podcasts. Or you can search the podcast app for a new podcast.
0: Could, like, say, Relay FM build out a shortcut now to subscribe to every Relay show within the podcast app through. Yeah,
1: that's a great example. I think every podcaster should go and build a subscribe to my show shortcut to share with people because then that's super easy for people to subscribe. Or you could, I mean, another way too is you could just make recommendations of other podcasts that people should listen to. It can like search in podcasts for that and subscribe them to whichever ones they want. One like scripting action that would be good in here in general would be choose from list. So you can kind of choose from your podcasts in your library, not just automatically do all of them.
0: And I would imagine you can't subscribe to podcasts twice. So if someone was already subscribed to one of the shows, you wouldn't get two subscriptions because that's impossible. Yeah, I don't think so. I should test and see what it does. I hope it doesn't error because that
1: would be annoying. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a pretty solid one just because I think it's a good example for third-party developers of... Kind of like if you are building actions for your app, you should probably do stuff that lets people get the data out or search in your app and either use it immediately or subscribe or something like that. So that's always going to be interesting. Is how th- we we'll get to this later, but how third-party developers could build their own shortcut actions.
0: There's no mechanism yet to search, like say the podcast directory within shortcuts. It has to be stuff that you're already uh, subscribed to or you the person creating the shortcut are specifying at the front what you're subscribing to versus searching within that parameter search podcast does
1: search the podcast directory it's i think they broke this out from search itunes store before there always was a podcast option and now it's just its own action and then you can search by the podcast or the authors so pretty sure the relay fm thing should work
0: okay and this is, do you believe, a custom thing Apple's doing, or could third-party podcast clients also build in search? They should be able to. Some of how third-party
1: apps are going to integrate with their own like services, is. I still am not totally clear on how well that works, or maybe how easy it is for them, is the other question. Mm-hmm. Um, but in theory, developers should be able to make shortcuts for any function they have in their app. Cool. Um, So podcasts, that's great. I think I'll do one that plays off of that is there's two new playback actions. One is called set playback destination. And then the other is handoff playback. And so the first one lets you manually choose how to send your audio from your current device to another device like a HomePod or an Apple TV or a Bluetooth speaker, which is pretty awesome because... You can make a little tool that's like, I want to AirPlay to this specific HomePod or switch it back to my phone now that I'm done listening on on the Apple TV or something like that. That's going to be awesome for just scripting in general. And then handoff playback is actually using that new HomePod will have a handoff feature where you can tap your phone to the top of... Your HomePod and it'll switch your audio from the current device to AirPlay 2 on that device. So instead of going from your phone to the HomePod, it'll actually switch and like hand it off entirely, so that you're not like if you leave the house, your music won't just stop playing or the podcast won't stop playing. Which is my long segue. <laughs>
0: As you're describing this, could you set up? I know there we'll get this later, but there's the Home Automations. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a way to set it up where? Say you're the only one home, you're listening to music on your air playing music from your phone to your speakers or your Apple TV. Could you set up so when someone walks in the door, it then moves to your iPhone to play off the speakers cuz you want to be respectful of them and stop playing it?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't think so directly. I don't think you can tie in together the home app presence of people mm-hmm. with the your personal shortcuts because it's kind of like a shared data i think that might be something they need to address in the future but i just have a shortcut that's just like resume on my phone so you could have it in the widget or something and do it really quickly but that's a good one i like that's a that happens to me all the time, where it's like, I'm blasting music, right, and then my yeah. girlfriend gets home, and it's like, she's like, please stop. Right, yeah.
0: So what, what else is new?
1: Sure. The accessibility actions, there's a ton of these, which is very cool to see. That's um, it's super important, and I'm glad Apple's doing that. I'm going to not say the word set 45 times, but you can set assistive touch, audio descriptions, classic invert, closed captions, increase contrast, LED flash, mono audio, reduce motion, reduce transparency, smart invert, switch control, text size, voice control, voice over, white point, zoom, and then you can start guided access, start speaking the screen or open the magnifier. So for people who take advantage of any of these individual features, now you can script them with shortcuts and into Siri, which I think Siri has had some limitations with running accessibility stuff but it's going to be awesome because even um for people who are trying out the new mouse support on ipad you can set assistive touch on and off and stuff like that without necessarily clicking the hardware button or anything like that so that's nice
0: yeah the one thing i wish they added was color filters which i flip on at night mm-hmm. that's like that is a big long list but uh not everything, but a bunch of stuff, as you just uh, shared. Well, I will re-listen to this and file that as a radar. <laughs> Excellent.
1: <laughs> because I, in theory, they should add every single feature. Yeah,
0: they really should. And yeah, you mentioned assistive touch. We'll get into this later. But if you connect to like a Bluetooth mouse, you can have it automatically toggle on, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So there's also new
1: home actions. So you can get the current state of any of your HomeKit devices. And that also now includes homepod and apple tv those are before they kind of weren't attached to anything and now you can actually use those like in your scenes also which is nice and then there's one to just control the home so you can do the individual devices or the scenes i don't think i've actually tried zones yet but that's a good thing to test but yeah so this is great because previously you could only control home kit scenes and not the mm-hmm. individual products so that's nice and then also using the get state of home, you can do things like get the specific color hue of your lights or something like that. That's one thing that I've always, it's its really hard to replicate once you get a good color. So I want to like figure it out and write it down so I can get it back to that point later. But then you can also do stuff like if my lights are red, don't do this and other actions. Or like if this light is on, but this light is off. So there is a cool like, maybe your whole um, somebody coming home thing, it, you could set a home automation to turn off a light or turn on a light, and then your personal automation is based off of that light also or something. So, maybe you could yeah. actually get it. It might be, a, like, a couple jumps. You
0: get a home kit lock, and when it unlocked,
1: oh. that would... <laughs> turn off it. the music. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's like Toy Story. It's like all the toys fall down. <laughs> <laughs> your like robot that's a, your Roomba freezes. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: But yeah, for that, it's not running in the background for this type
1: of shortcut, right? This this action? These are also part of the home automations, which I'll get to the difference between personal automations and home automations in the future. But yeah, you can actually do that. Which okay. Is, and the conditions. Cool. And scripting stuff. So that's cool.
0: For Apple TV, it's just playing or it's not playing. That Those are the two states of that? Uh, yeah. And I think it's like
1: mostly for music and not necessarily... Maybe this is only in the current beta, but I think it's more for like if you're using your apple tv as a airplay destination not controlling the status of that okay but i did actually skip over there's apple tv remote actions which is awesome so these you can use from your device and then you can wake any apple tv or sleep it you can play or pause it and then you can also show the remote control which is really nice but then the killer one is that you can open an app on the apple tv so you can have like Netflix and chill and it'll open Netflix on the Apple TV right away.
0: <laughs> Set the lights appropriately. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like that's a pretty, I should I should make that into a video because it's the most straightforward one. But yeah, so that's also cool because then you can kind of like, I have it scripted to open a certain amount of apps or like have a one little widget shortcut that lets me turn on or off the tv or like i have an old apple tv upstairs in my bedroom so i have controls for that too which is like i never know where that remote is so that's nice
0: so with apple tv remote you're able to choose which apple tv you're talking to or is it just the nearby one how does uh, that y- you can choose okay it
1: kind of loads slowly it, like it has to detect what's on the network and that's actually the same too for set playback destination Like if if for any of these, you have to turn on the device and be on the same network or connected to it in order to choose it from the list. Like I actually set up my AirPods for set playback destination, but if they're not like in and active, it won't show up.
0: Yeah. And for sleep Apple TV, that also puts my physical TV to sleep, which is cool. So you'd have one where I'm going to bed where it sleeps your Apple TV and your lights are affected and maybe your thermostat or whatever you wanted. That's yeah. Yeah.
1: There's like a lot of, so you could even just like walk upstairs and then all of it shuts off and you don't even need to touch the remote or something. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm having trouble right now where when I wake it, it goes to my receiver and then my receiver doesn't properly register it. And so it turns off again and <laughs> turns everything off. So it's it's a little you might have some tweaking to do because god knows getting a, a home theater set up to work right is like you never want to touch it once it does yeah and this adds another layer so i'm scared yeah but. i have a receiver
0: <laughs> as well so uh yeah there are quirks uh, with that <laughs> for anyone
1: it's if you have hdmi cec is the feature that enables it to send the signal back and forth which is cool so there's another handful of actions one is just show reminders list which is nice because you didn't Used to be able to open into reminders. So now you can just be like, show me my grocery list or something. A neat one is set wallpaper. So you can set your home screen or your lock screen. And I actually sent out a tweet that was suggesting it's like, take the time this summer to shoot backgrounds and then save them to different photo albums in the Photos app. And then later you can pull from the Photos app and like randomly set your background like once a day or something like that.
0: Yeah, sunrise and sunset, you could even do it, right?
1: Yeah, that's a great one. There used to be an action called get article from diff bot because when we were a workflow, we used a service called Diffbot to identify whether a URL was like a web article. There's a standardized format for that. And then you can grab information like the author or the hero image URL. And now Apple has replaced that with their own so let's get article with safari reader now probably just because they were paying this company and they already had the same technology (laughs) to identify it themselves so just kind of getting that all internal and a, a simple one that's nice is there's now a location action instead of there is still street address but you would have to fill out field by field like the city and stuff like that so now you can just type in an address or also like the name of a location and it'll look in maps and get the the closest match. So that's pretty nice. Get all alarms is another one that you used to be able to toggle alarms and set new alarms, but you couldn't like look at your existing alarms and be able to say like, turn off my morning alarm because I'm sleeping in or skipping work. Yeah. (laughs) And then the last one is the if action has been updated, which is cool because now it will automatically detect the type of content being passed into it and adjust the conditions that you set. So if it's like a number, it'll do greater than or less than, or if it's a date, it can do before or after or things like that. So you kind of have to experiment with the if action with the content before it to actually get it to work the way you want.
0: Okay, very cool. Yeah, I didn't know about the if one
1: So far, at least by developer beta three, those are the new actions.
0: Awesome. And then one big change in just building the shortcuts is they're going to be able to be Smaller and more readable by getting rid of the dependency on variables. Now, variables aren't removed. You can still do it the old way if you, for every reason, want to. But what is this new system and why are variables less important than they used to be?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say they're less important. I think it's the way they're being used is different. Um, So, in general, shortcuts did get a big redesign where The way that actions connect to each other, instead of just showing in the flow, like this action is outputting something and it's connected to the next action, now instead the output of the previous action is actually shown in the next action as the variable. So if you're getting text from a previous action and then using it in something like set name, it will say set name from and then use the text variable. So the main difference... Kind of what you were referring to is that a lot of times you don't need to manually set the variable every single time you want to store something. It's now just going to pass into the next action automatically. Or later in the shortcut, when you want to grab a specific variable, you can use the magic variable selector and go back and grab that action output. Um, And it's actually funny because this has been around since workflow. And I think a lot of people didn't necessarily... The redesign hasn't been, but the ability to automatically save every action as a variable and then retrieve it later using magic variables, that was released at our very last workflow feature. We basically stopped talking about it because we got acquired immediately afterwards. <laughs> so there wasn't a whole lot of promotion for it. So I actually haven't been using something like set variable for a long time because I will just use the automatic variables and then rename them as I need. There are specific cases for using set variable, such as like if you're going down a conditional path or like the shortcut splits in two paths and you want to save the same thing under the same name, but it's like different inputs, then you can use set variable, but you don't necessarily need to most of the time. The big one is that get variable is now gone entirely because the way that all of the inputs are shown on each action basically replaces the need for it because you're getting the variable on the action itself, not beforehand and doing this whole hand down the line process.
0: Okay, so it's it's built into yeah. every action. So instead of saying get variable then running the action, it's get variable is within every action. Yeah. Right.
1: And I think it also interestingly elevates There's actions like get text from input and get dictionary from input or get numbers. And in the past, I almost never really used those because shortcuts will automatically do the conversions a lot of times. So you don't need to necessarily declare it that explicitly. But now if you do want to get a variable later in like some more advanced scripting scenarios, you might have to actually just use get text from variable and stuff like that, which does have the same effect, but it just kind of is like a shift in mindset that I was like, oh, there it is. There's some places where you need to use get variable, but now you can still just use the get dictionary from that and it'll work that way. Cool. I'll need to write up that explanation because it's, (laughs) (laughs) if you're new to shortcuts and you just listen to what I said, you might've been like, what? But what you were saying is these are all a lot more readable now, which is great because And also when you're building them, as you place an action after another, it will just show the input connecting in automatically and like that variable will appear in the next action. And so I think this will help people understand what's happening step by step. And if something isn't happening, they can tap on the action and go get the input from somewhere else as opposed to needing to even know what get variable is at all. Variables as a concept weren't something i knew before workflow. So, if you're brand new to this, it's like you've never even heard that word or it's like some math term that
0: you forgot 10 years ago. <laughs> right, yeah. And <laughs> what other ways has building shortcuts changed? Has like the discovery method for finding actions is that much different or anything else?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, i forgot to write this down, but there's now just a main apps category that will list all of the apps that have actions and their Siri shortcuts from your apps available. So that's actually nice because it's just this holistic list and like that plus the scripting category probably covers every single action.
0: Yeah, before you had to go back several layers of the navigation to get to that full list and now it's kind of right there. Yeah, exactly. I guess just another
1: thing too is that because of the way the if action has been redesigned shortcuts will just be simpler to make because I used to do some stuff like counting items. And then if there's nothing, do something or if there is something go ahead. And now the if action has like, if this has any value or no value. So even just like, there's a lot of scripting actions that can be removed and utilized using magic variables. And if, in like whole new ways,
0: which is pretty cool. Cool. And then developers now are able to build out apps that are much more rich with shortcuts, I should say, much more things that Apple's able to do with their own apps. Can you kind of dive into what all they have access to now?
1: Sure. So basically last year, the Siri shortcuts APIs that were given to developers were mainly ways for them to integrate sort of a single function utility into Siri and also add that like standalone action into the shortcuts app. And so it was actually fairly limited. You kind of had to either pre-plan what you were doing, or it was generally just like a simpler deep link into a specific place. But those all were kind of like single shot. It's like you if you wanted to open ten folders, you'd need ten different actions in order one for each folder and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, the on stage example of ordering a coffee from a restaurant, you have to have the same exact coffee every morning, which a lot of people do. So that's a good use of that. But yeah. Yeah,
1: it was definitely a lot more routine based before. But now it will be a lot more like how workflow has worked in the past, where developers are able to build full actions for their apps, where they can add and the action can perform a function in their app with different parameters that you can change so it'll act slightly differently or get this specific thing. And then also all of this works in the background. So previously, a lot of the third party actions in shortcuts and in workflow used URL schemes and would open into those apps to send the data. And now they just work as if they were real functions, which is great, because that also means that they all work in Siri. And this is, I guess, something that I didn't mention before in just designing your shortcuts is that all your shortcuts can run in Siri now too which is fantastic because like every little feature on those actions can be scripted in Siri and then you can use your voice
0: or your phone depending
1: on whichever you prefer.
0: So if there's like a list you're picking from will it read the list off or is that something it'll tell you to look at your phone screen and pick that from the list? Um I think for now it seems that it just asks you
1: the question and then you can Verbally reply with an option from the list. I don't think it actually reads the list, so you
0: need to know what you need to know what's on
1: it. Yeah, you okay. have to like know how it works a little bit, which is slightly odd. I hope they add some sort of like toggle where you can specify whether you want it read out loud or not. But in practice, it, it'll also
0: show you the list on the phone or on your Apple Watch,
1: which is cool. So
0: Okay, so you can glance down at your Apple Watch, it'll show you the list.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty cool because on iPhone, iPad, HomePod, Apple Watch, and on AirPods, you can run all of your shortcuts, which can in theory work with any function of any app that you use. And so <laughs> I feel like this whole release feels huge, but Apple isn't Stating very obviously that, like, this is like full Siri capability for all of your shortcuts and makes their voice strategy a lot stronger now. It's definitely a little bit of do it yourself. Yeah. But it's also, it's like the sky's the limit. So I think it's going to, I need to be shouting this from the rooftops more (laughs) so that it doesn't just trickle up and people know about it more.
0: And the current context of all this is, is the phone kind of the home of this? If you're, dealing with home pod the watch like if you're going for a run with your watch how independent can shortcuts get if there's independent watch apps like say for drafts could drafts integrate with shortcuts
1: on the go i haven't done too much testing with third-party apps that is a good point that in theory it could if it only used watch capable actions it should be able to run on its own i think it does run from your phone right now because that's the way that you have authentication and control, especially like from HomePod. Yeah, um, because it knows that once it gets HomePod is getting multiple voice support, and so it will. I'm assuming it's gonna hook up to your Apple ID and in the way you train. I don't want to say the trigger phrase right now, but. Hey, lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am assuming it'll adopt that through your phone. Um, so yeah, I don't think you can do standalone watch stuff. Okay. There did used to be a workflow for Apple Watch, and I would love shortcuts for Apple Watch. I have a feeling it's just like... On the back burner. They probably want to do it too, yeah, but they were focused on getting the, the series stuff right. The third-party apps story is they can't fully release their apps until iOS 13 comes out, so it probably will take until October to fully kind of realize what these apps are going to do. And I'm also a little worried that developers have a lot to work on with some other changes for the operating system stuff on Mac that they want to try out. There's lots of stuff to adopt. So I hope developers are prioritizing this because the users are going to want to use it. The other
0: stuff can be great
1: to have, but like you won't notice if it's not there.
0: Yeah, because the adoption was super quick for the first iteration of this. And hopefully... It is quick for this as well, but there is a lot of new goodies in this year's releases.
1: I just realized one thing I did forget to mention is that previously you would record trigger phrases for your Siri shortcuts, and this all lived in the settings app, and now it is all just in shortcuts, so... Instead of trigger phrases, it just uses the name of the shortcut. And then also just those standalone actions are now just one step in a shortcut in the app. One thing that's fantastic for me is that you can organize them because I had added like 300 trigger phrases and then I couldn't order them or anything yeah. and just understand what I had done. But now it's all one and the same, which is helpful because previously you had to be like Siri shortcuts from your apps or custom shortcuts. And now they kind of really are all shortcuts. I think the terminology is a little confusing because (laughs) I think it's still technically called like a Siri shortcut when it comes from an app. But I think of those as Siri shortcut actions. And then there's like the native actions in shortcuts. I don't know. We'll we'll just have to figure it out as we go.
0: (laughs) And now you don't have to record yourself saying them, right? You can just type what you want. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah, it's just in the name of the shortcut. I haven't run into any problems with like disambiguation and you can't name the shortcut. app In general, other Siri functions if you use the same word, can take precedence. If you do say like add to my groceries list as the name of a shortcut, it might get really confused.
0: Yeah, or call a shortcut Safari or something.
1: I think because it's part of the system now, I don't even think it says running your shortcut and like shortcut says and stuff like that. It all just works. I have one that's just log water and it's like, hey, log water, how much do you want to log? 12 ounces and then it's like done. So it still says done, but...
0: (laughs) There's no folders yet, but it, uh, navigating, it's not just colors anymore. There's an app icon if there's like a predominant app that this shortcut focuses on, which a little helpful. Yeah, but.
1: that's only if there's a single action in that shortcut. Oh, okay. Um, as soon as you add anything else, I think it just goes to the color that you choose. Gotcha. So okay. the, my strategy is definitely color-based. Like I will group a lot of similar shortcuts under the same color, and that actually goes a pretty long way for... What we have now. I definitely want folders though.
2: (laughs) Before we dive back into the rest of my interview with Matthew Castanelli, I want to share just a bit on how powerful that shortcuts and OmniFocus integration is. It's built into the iOS 12 and 13 versions of shortcuts and allows for some pretty powerful workflows. Shortcuts are great because you don't have to be a programmer or a scripter to create powerful automations. And OmniFocus includes extensive support for shortcuts. In case you don't know about OmniFocus, it's a great app for managing everything you have to do, at work and in your life. It's great on iPad, and it's also great on iPhone, Macintosh, and the web. With shortcuts, you can add a whole bunch of tasks to OmniFocus at once. This may sound scary, but sometimes it's something you need to do. Maybe you have a certain type of project that you need to do from time to time. For instance, you might be a lawyer taking on a new client, and every time that happens, you need to do certain things. Get some papers signed, get set up for billing, get the client's email address, and so on. With shortcuts, you can automate the creation of a new project with those tasks. When you take on a new client, you just tap a button and everything gets set up. Not only does that save you a bunch of time, it saves you from errors too. When you do things by hand, you might forget something, but shortcuts will do it perfectly every time. Shortcuts can also do other kinds of tasks. For instance... It could take an article from the web and turn it into an action in OmniFocus. Or it could take a bunch of articles from an RSS feed. With shortcuts, you can even make OmniFocus work with other apps, such as Drafts and Bear, for more complex workflows. Maybe you need to create an action and start a note in another app. Your imagination is your limit. Shortcuts in OmniFocus make it easy and fun. To learn more, go to OmniFocus.com and download your 14-day free trial. Thanks again to OmniFocus for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Go to OmniFocus.com to try it for free. Now back to my interview with Matthew Casanelli. And then true automation
0: is another big thing that we talked a little bit about uh, before. But can we first dive into personal versus home automation? Sure. So
1: the big other feature besides adding like redesigning shortcuts and then making them work with siri is that now there's automation triggers to run your shortcuts and i'm slightly hesitant to use the phrase true automation because most of it you can't actually have something like run entirely in the background without you ever doing anything to prompt it there are some limitations
0: i think there's like two yeah like the do not disturbs airplane mode will trigger it if you turn that on or off without you interacting yeah i've got the list And then opening an app, you could have it, for instance, when you open the camera app, open camera plus instead right after.
1: Yeah. The way they have it is, I would say that the easiest way to think about it is that by default, the automation triggers will show a notification and then you tap that and then you can run your shortcut. So it's kind of like a trigger to prompt you to run your shortcut most of the time. Yeah. And then there's also a toggle on a specific set of those triggers that's called Ask When Run. And if you turn it off, it'll say like, don't ask when run. This will run in the background. And those are um, alarm, airplane mode, do not disturb, low power mode, opening an app, CarPlay actually works too. And then NFC tags. And... CarPlay and NFC are iPhone only because those are the only ones that work with that. And low power mode. Low power mode shows up on iPad even though it doesn't have it, which is funny. Um <laughs>
0: Oh, that's right, it doesn't have low power mode.
1: But basically, in theory, all of those triggers, if you look back at them, alarm, DND, low power, all of those you are choosing to do those things. So, that's part of what I think a lot of people are upset. Here, let me list off the other triggers first. There's Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, when I arrive and when I leave before I leave, which is cool. It does some prediction stuff and then time of day, but all of those can't run entirely in the background. I think for security purposes, because you're not choosing to arrive at a place you could just be taken there. The time of day just happens. You can't like control if that if you don't want it to happen, it just kind of goes. Bluetooth and Wi Fi are a little bit I think in general, people are disappointed that all of these don't have true automation, because you want to have it just be like at noon every day, it it logs the day's values, or I don't know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Or when I walk out the door, all of this stuff happens, but there's definitely, for the personal automations, there's security concerns that they can't really address properly, I think.
0: Uh, something as you are speaking about low power mode. Low power mode off, is that also a trigger?
1: Yeah. So I have that, like, it'll tell me the current battery once I turn off low
0: power, which is nice. If you're charging your phone and it automatically turns low power mode off, does it do it for that instance? I... Have that as a to-do list yeah, to test. I um, think about that. It's like, that's the only one that would be... Maybe if you set
1: that to off, it might hide the the toggle. Yeah, that is a, that might be a tricky one.
0: Or the screen might need to be turned on for that to work. Yeah,
1: or unlocked or something like that. That's another... Some people were asking me about that, of just being able to run shortcuts while the phone is locked. And you can do a good amount of that. The cool ones for some like true automation examples open app and nfc i think are the most popular ones where a common one that i've seen is when i open the camera app instead go open this better camera app cuz you can do that right from the lock screen and then also nfc which is near field communication this means you can get little tags throughout your house and scan your phone against it and it can run a shortcut in the background for you And so this is actually like, at least demo wise, and it's just pretty fascinating to bring real world triggers into anything you can do on your iPhone. It's like, it's hard to grasp because it is like actually a huge opportunity.
0: Have you tested if, if you pull up Apple pay on your Apple watch and tap it to your iPhone, would that be a trigger? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Let me try
1: right now. Yeah. I doubt it. People are doing things. Oh my God, it Does works. It work? Yes. What the hell? <laughs> a... That should not... That's going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> that should not work, but that's amazing. Oh my God, you're a genius. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, I want to like... Should we cut this so no one knows and we can just use it, but don't... <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. That's
0: great. And it's probably... It doesn't matter what credit card you have open. It's, it's regardless. It's just like here's your Apple Watch NFC. Yeah, it, I think it's yeah, just triggering that. That's what's
1: nice is it can use any NFC tag. It just reads the ID. It doesn't actually write data to the tag, so you don't have to like make sure it's the right tag. And then also, someone else in your house can use that tag for their own purposes. And since your shortcut is a since it's a personal automation, it's only to, on that device. That's one thing is it doesn't sync across devices. So if you want to do the same thing, you'll have to set it up twice.
0: And there's no way to share it with. You can't like beam it over. No. So okay.
1: One tip I have is create the shortcut in the app for what you want to happen with that automation, just as a normal shortcut, and then in your automation use the Run Shortcut action. Mm-hmm. The Run Shortcut action, which then can just run that shortcut for you and then you can share the original shortcut with somebody to set up in their own automation and also whenever you want to change that automation you just change the shortcut you don't have to go back into that exact trigger
0: every time oh brilliant the nfc stuff really makes me want to have an ipad with nfc in the top corner yeah or something so I it could doesn't have tap, it, which is a shame yeah. so you could like tap an ipad stand when you get the work and like boom does its thing yeah i think
1: A lot of people are, at least the nerds who I've seen, are disappointed that you can't do all this full automation. But I think it's still, like, don't underestimate the having it, like, when I connect to my work Wi-Fi, I just run this trigger. Because I think a lot of times... Like, that is a cool dream to have it all just happen, but just being able to confirm it first is probably nice. So you're not just like, you get into the office and it's like, here's your meetings for today. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Please stop yelling it. <laughs> and the Wi Fi thing. So your iPad would probably connect to the Wi Fi when the screen's off. Is it just kind of waiting until that notification will be there whenever you turn the screen on next? Is that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So
1: it might, like, if you don't notice it, it could be a late or something like that. Yeah, um, So I think you might have to adjust for the specific things that you want to do might not be as fully automated, or it's like you could always run, run them from Siri and stuff like that too in a way that's, so you don't have to tap. There's like 10 ways to run shortcuts now, which is hard to communicate sometimes because it's, I mean, that's one thing we haven't mentioned is that, you can add a shortcut to the home screen now and then tap that and it'll open the shortcuts app and run that, which is cool. So you can kind of like redesign your whole home screen with a ton of shortcuts now.
0: Because you could do the icons before. What? How's that changed?
1: Yeah, previously in Safari, you've always been able to take a bookmark and add it to your home screen. And so the way shortcuts did it before, it like faked that page and would when you went to add to the home screen, this was from workflow also. So that's I think that's why it was always a little clunky is, you create a bookmark in safari that when that bookmark is opened it'll run your workflow or your shortcuts and then basically every time you tapped on the home screen one it would open a temporary safari page and then run your shortcut and it was just not a good experience and so now it just opens from the home screen and starts running the shortcut right away
0: gotcha and for home automation this is something that is running in the background just um and do you know is your iPhone, what, what is running this? You have HomeKit servers that are Apple TVs. What's actually doing yeah, this? Yeah, it's
1: the, there's supposed to be like a primary device that is always on in your home in order to enable HomeKit larger capabilities.
0: Oh yeah, Home Hub.
1: Um, yeah, that's what it is. So one of these acts as your Home Hub. And so the home automations run off of that. And a huge thing is that they don't have any actions for the apps on your phone. So there is scripting capabilities and there's a couple like get weather details. And then you can use get contents of URL since technically the HomePod can make web requests. (laughs) Um, And then you can also, one thing that I don't think I've heard anyone else mention is you can run a script over SSH. So you can control your Mac, which is pretty cool. It's definitely very technical. Like I barely know how to do that type of stuff, but That's actually really awesome. All of the home triggers, which are time of day and then arrive. It's like when people arrive and when people leave. And then when an accessory is controlled, these are all shared across people. So if you set any of these up, anyone in your house can use them. The time of day thing can't open an app on your phone because it's not using your phone it's using the home pod or something like that okay um,
0: and th- these are synced to that home hub and other members of your household yeah the whole home app um in general and the home hub are there layers of users is there like a super user and then anyone could do this yeah uh, just in the
1: automations tab in shortcuts or the home app you'll see all of the shared home ones okay um, so you'll
0: see other family members in there and see what yeah. they're doing
1: And so these ones can control things like playback on your HomePod, which is new and advanced. It's like you can play specific playlists or something like that when you're the first person to get home or when anyone arrives home. So a lot of the home automation capabilities from last year, which were always really cool, but you couldn't hook into enough. Now you can hook into the HomePod. You can use the Apple TV for music. You can't do the same app type stuff, which is kind of disappointing. I hope that gets changed too, but you can get state of home thing as a thing, and so i you can have it. It's like if I get home and the weather is rainy, then the lights turn blue, but if somebody else gets home and the lights are blue, turn it back to normal, so I don't look so depressed. I just came up with that, <laughs> and apparently that was really sad, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, I, I have one where I'm trying to like change my lights in my office to be red when I'm making YouTube videos, just as like a nudge. Yeah, and then I also have other automations where it's like, at this time of day, if the lights aren't red, then do this, which is a, kind of like an interesting meta shortcut. Oh yeah, that's the other thing is home automations. The way you set up those extra features is by scrolling past all of your home devices and then there's a tiny little thing at the bottom that says advanced, create a shortcut. And that's where you do the scripting actions or something. But all of this does have to run from a HomePod with a voice, never interacting with a specific device. And so there is only like 50 actions. But I'm hoping that AirPlay 2 capabilities from other apps will be able to hook into this and then you'll be able to when I get home it starts playing my overcast account or something like that. Yeah. But again, that's personal data, so it's a little like I think Apple's security team got more involved because shortcuts is actually part of the OS. I guess I didn't mention that at the beginning is that you won't even have to download shortcuts. It will just be on your device when you update to iOS thirteen.
0: And for these home automations they'll work. If a family member deletes shortcuts for whatever reason, home automations would still work. What location do they actually need to enable to have is the home app or is there
1: a yeah i think it's in the home uh, because it's part of the system the home automations in the shortcuts app are the same that are in the home app now okay i think that's why it's like the home automations really are coming from the home app and don't get all of the shortcuts capabilities but they did get some weather and and new things like that that you might want to
0: use for like ambient context changes yeah something like about the sunset is you can also say 30 minutes after sunset when it's truly dark. So it's not just like, it's more flexible than that, which is good. Yeah. But like, that's
1: always been built into just the home automation trigger itself. But you can do like, if it's raining, or if the UV index is 12, like turn all the lights red as a warning or something. So it's more powerful than just sunrise and sunset or like tomorrow's sunrise or something like that yeah um ooh, that's cool <laughs> i'm getting all these like little ideas because it's like there's so much that honestly at a certain point can be a little unnecessary and absurd but it's also like just very cool like if you are taking the time you can come up with some clever stuff like of course federico Vitici already has a shortcut where he can use a physical button in his house and it will start and stop his time tracking because of course he can do a whole web request from the home pod. <laughs> so it's like, I got to get into that because that stuff is good too. I think people are disappointed in the maybe exact execution of some of these automations, but it is like you can get home and your home pod starts playing and then on your phone, you can tap the thing to take over control of the home pod or something. So there's still opportunities
0: yeah and the bluetooth connectivity so in the original beta you could only do it based on i believe speakers and like headphones but now it works with i think any bluetooth accessory right as a trigger yes and but
1: this doesn't automatically happen in the background so you can't have it when your phone you have to
0: acknowledge it yeah there's just such a wide range of bluetooth it's only connecting it's not disconnecting which i'd love if that happens so when i turn off my bluetooth mouse it could Tell me to turn off assistive touch yeah i don't personally have a whole lot of bluetooth devices
1: and every time i like think through the use case i'm like wait but i can kind of get something that's like pretty close there's got to be some security things we're not thinking of that yeah can be like major issues
0: and then you can initiate shortcuts from a mouse now which is amazing yeah
1: that's cool just being able to use the mouse at all is like Wow. And then any of the external, or you can remap any button to be a shortcut. Probably shouldn't do the main click. And then you can also put in the contextual menu that you can pull up with assistive touch. You can also put shortcuts in there. And I think within a menu in there. So that's even, it's like, even if you don't want to use the mouse, you can like bring up assistive touch and have a bunch of shortcuts ready to go.
0: Yeah. I kind of want someone to build a trackpad or not a trackpad, a a surface that is a bunch of buttons in front of you that you can just pretend to be mouse i'm looking at my stream deck from
1: elgato and i plugged this in the moment i got home and it doesn't work unfortunately oh, yeah it's like a, so cool 16 buttons and it's like if you could just have especially if you could have folders in there it's like oh man <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you yeah. could just go to town but just for accessibility purposes i think it is nice because Shortcuts itself has always been really powerful for accessibility. It's like, instead of tapping 200 times, you can tap this thing once and it'll all go for you. And now it can be built into that mouse or think switch control too. Like there are some people who use like just little switch pads that you can touch
0: and maybe the right combination of stuff. You could run shortcuts there. Yeah.
1: That's, that's very
0: cool. What are some of the shortcuts you think that would be frequent enough use for you to justify putting it in a mouse button? Let's say you have six buttons on your mouse.
1: I haven't totally figured that out. I did find out that my mouse, the scroll left and scroll right can be registered as separate buttons. And so I was trying to think of like, this wasn't actually a shortcut, yeah. but if I just scroll left, it would just open multitasking. But then I also like, I take screenshots a good amount and then... I use Federico's Apple Frames, I think he called it, where it wraps the screenshot in the device frame for like the iPhone or the iPad that it's taken on. And that would just be pretty nice to trigger that automatically. I haven't honestly used the mouse too much though because iOS is built for touch and there's a lot of affordances of like just the way your finger moves in a vertical swipe position and like you have to click and swipe up real quick. Like doing that with a mouse is not natural at all. It's kind of one of those like really cool features and looks really good in (laughs) photos and stuff like that. But I don't know how super practical it is in the long run of like, I'm not connecting my mouse every day.
0: Maybe I'll need to test more. Yeah, it's something for me. I'll do it when I'm at a desk. Or yeah, at a desk is pretty much the only time I'd probably use that.
1: But like what specifically? Like, You can't edit in ferrite with a mouse. No, I tried it,
0: and it's it's not pleasant and much
1: slower. Like, all the detailed stuff that you would want to do, you're probably better served with an Apple Pencil than a mouse. Totally. And I don't even know if you can do, like, multiple drag-and-drop. And And so it's very weird to... It's like this the scroll wheel sound is something I haven't heard in years, because I actually always (laughs) use a trackpad. And so like, that's, that's kind of fascinating
0: It's just being able to scroll through stuff. But (laughs) yeah, it's good for you're browsing the web. And you're just more relaxed, less, less artistic. Yeah, I mean, the ergonomics are huge for doing batch tasks of like 100
1: things. Technically, the ergonomics are better, but your control is worse. And so it for me is, take your ipad off of the keyboard and hold it in your hands and do the thing don't reach up and that's yeah more ergonomic than using a mouse and
0: (laughs) yeah struggling through it like in the mail app trying to select 100 messages it can be better on a mouse if you're reaching up but if you're just holding it it's probably better with just your finger
1: yeah it is still a touch device (laughs) yes it is
0: Has the share sheet changed? I know it has, actually. I should say that again. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The share sheet changed quite a bit when I was 13. Uh, How's Shortcuts impacted by this? It's definitely... It's moved up a
1: level. So previously, what was before the bottom row of Action Extensions is now a vertical list. And then instead of Shortcuts being an option in there, all of your share sheet-capable Shortcuts are in that vertical list also. So... I installed this and then I had like 150 in a (laughs) row and I was like, oh my Lord. Um, Yeah. So that was a little intense, but it'll take a while to get them organized, but you can kind of quickly find your action. I wish they were colored. They are kind of gray. So the the name and the icon are mostly what you have to go off of, but that's just, it's just a level higher. And they did redesign the icons slightly to be more like the new Swift icon pack that you get and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does look consistent with the rest of the system which is nice i'm sure if people actually already have shortcuts and share something and don't realize that that shortcut is a share extension they might be like what is this and it's like that's actually your thing it's just great because especially if you're doing a lot of share extensions in a row before you it would just be like a whole extra tap every single time just to get into your shortcuts so now it's like it's part of the system it's moved up a level which is nice
0: yep And then I guess a warning to have for people upgrading. If you uh, did the thing of dragging a shortcut file into the Files app, uh, you won't be able to import those in the shortcuts. So do that before you update if you want those to still work. Yeah, the .shortcut file, I think
1: maybe there was some sort of security risk with those two. So now you do have to share and copy an iCloud link for every shortcut if you want to back them up, which I did for all 1,000 of my shortcuts and... (laughs) It took me like 15 hours. Um. Do you have a shortcut for backing up shortcuts? Is that a thing? <laughs> I use an Airtable database. And so I have this really fancy one that makes a whole web request. I have a shortcut that uses Apple's own shortcuts sharing web API to after I've had the iCloud link, it will call their own API and grab the data out of it again, like the icon and the name of it. So I can actually... I'll try to get that written up by the time this is out because it's it's very like using shortcuts to understand shortcuts, but it should help people to just like make a list of all of your shortcuts in notes or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah, I'll have to figure out a good storage spot.
0: And yeah, it makes me want archive shortcuts even more in the shortcuts app so they can be like hidden away when I don't need them. Yeah. That's why I've had so many is I, I mean, I worked at workflow
1: and I built many of what's in the gallery. And since then I've been just helping tons of people so i have tons of examples that i don't really care about so once i sh- shared all of those into my database i deleted almost all of them partially because sync is broken right now and wasn't work only when you have like a thousand shortcuts though <laughs> <laughs> so that should be fixed but basically i'm making this whole massive database of all of my shortcuts or examples that i've come across i also have some for all of the actions that are in shortcuts right now like you can go on my website and just look at get contents of url in the description and stuff and then also the new automation triggers so i'm trying to keep like an up-to-date resource because you don't always want to go into the app and look at it and it's nice like i'm putting little comments of this works well with this and stuff
0: like that so that's my, my meta master plan. Yeah, <laughs> your website has... Uh, it's very impressive. When I was preparing for this interview, it's like, wow, this is uh, pretty sweet, pretty awesome how you organize everything.
1: I feel like I've shared like 1% of all of the ideas that I have too. So I think now that Shortcuts is a lot easier to... Build and understand, I think, for most people. And then it's easier to run because you can automate it or you can run it with Siri. One thing I didn't mention is that the iPad has the widgets on the home screen. So I recommend putting shortcuts on your home screen. So you have like 24 widget shortcuts all right there at all the time. So I'm excited because I think, and then it's like all the developers can actually add fully functional Siri shortcuts. I think they were all kind of waiting for what we got this year so i feel like it's like off to the races and stuff is going to be a lot more exciting going forward which is cool we're still at the very very beginning of all of this yeah no it's exciting they've added like 10 new features since we got acquired and i feel like there's tons more that's possible so i'm i'm super pumped
0: yeah me too i'm impressed just how integrated it is into the system now in ways that i did not think we'd have on year two (laughs) For sure. So uh, with that, where can people find your videos, your your podcast, Supercomputer? And then we just mentioned the website where you can find all these great shortcuts. Sure. My website is MatthewCassanelli.com. And I'm doing regular
1: blog posts. And I have a newsletter, too, if you want to get them straight. I'm doing YouTube videos. I'm kind of revamping this summer. And I'm trying to launch a little bit further and doing some live streams, too. But it's just Matthew Casanelli on YouTube. And then my podcast is Supercomputer. A website supercomputer.fm but you can I'll, I should make a shortcut <laughs> for the people who are on the betas I'll have a shortcut so you can subscribe to it but I do that with Alex Cox who works at Cars Against Humanity she does the awesome podcast Do By Friday and just now a new one Two-Headed Girl which everybody should go listen to so that's an awesome show she's great and it's, it's like I get to be a nerd every week and talk about all this stuff which is so much fun
0: awesome well thank you so much for your time today it's been great learning about shortcuts too and yeah, it's going to be fun to dig into all the. Shortcuts 3. Shortcuts 3. That's right. I keep calling it two. Shortcuts yeah. 3. And all yeah. The, yeah. I'm excited to dive into all the third party apps uh, just in a couple weeks here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. I like
1: just, it's like I just get to talk about it all and say everything, which is always sometimes hard to remember all the details. <laughs> so I'm going to re listen to this myself for some future videos. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
2: Thanks again to Matthew Casanelli for his time recording this episode and OmniFocus for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Once again, head on over to OmniFocus.com to try it for free. You can send your feedback to me at iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. You can get additional content by supporting the Patreon at Patreon.com slash iPad Pros. If you haven't already, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review. Every review goes a long way in helping others discover the show. Thanks again for listening.